Well, hello, once again, you have found a Texas Steampunk Connection, broadcasting to you throughout the multiverse, Steamverse, from our various bunkers and airships. With me, as always, is Fax, Gentleman Adventurer. Hello, hello. <laughs> with me is Jack from Steam Chest. Hello. <laughs> and with us today, Master Blue Stocking from <laughs> Steampunk Dollhouse Podcast. So once again, we are here to talk, oh, probably about Steampunk, most likely, because that's what this is about. Thank you for listening to the Texas Steampunk Connection. All right. Good evening, everyone. You have reached the Texas Steampunk Connection. Um, Jack is not with us tonight. He had uh, family duties, but Fax uh, and Blue Stocking are with you. And uh, we are graced with Laura Mayer, the uh, writer of the Victorian collection that we talked about her Kickstarter some time ago. And now we all have the book, uh, which is uh, which is very exciting. We've had a chance to thumb through it, and we've already been talking about it. But uh, but I've been keeping my mouth shut because I've got a lot to say, and I want everyone to hear me. Okay, <laughs> great, awesome uh, little book. It's it says advanced costuming techniques, and I was really worried that it was going to go way over my head. <clears throat> Because although I'm, I, I've done some sewing and some applique and a little of this and that, uh, I'm definitely not formally trained, and I'm not making the amazing ball gowns and and uh, suits and women's wear that are in here that are just uh, way over my head. Uh, so what was cool is uh, each chapter focuses on one outfit uh, or costume. She says costumes, right? Uh, and uh, and more or less, you you go into a, a little history and a little uh, design, how you sort of came, brought this piece together. But you go don't go into specifics of every detail. But then you you focus on one aspect that you used in each uh, costume, such as you know how to cover a button with fabric which seems like oh you just go to the store and you get the kit and you follow the instructions on the back but if you want to do it right you get some excellent clues and tips that only a advanced costumer would know to tell us and it's 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 not written so it's difficult to understand you're very uh you've got a very informal uh way of, of writing that i thought was really a lot of fun and, and really, you know, carries you along. You're not like reading a textbook. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was, it was very friendly and accessible and approachable. Oh, thank yeah. you. And, um, and that's exactly, that's exactly what I was aiming for and where I was going with this. You know, the idea behind the advanced costuming techniques is that it's, it's beyond the, okay, I got like a, a easy or a very easy pattern and I'm able to do that done. I'm able to sew my own buttons back on and I'm able to do this. So I've got basic sewing skills, but as you are trying to do more costuming or more cosplay or try something a little more difficult or challenging, you're going to get into these other techniques that are more advanced. And those, those, you know, beyond basic skills are going to carry you through a whole lot of different levels of outfit making 
um, costume or actually daily wear. And, um, and so, you know, things like covered buttons or putting in a, a hidden zipper or doing an interlining and all of these different things that you might run into, I put in here. But like you noticed, it isn't just a one, two, three walkthrough because you can find that anywhere. Um, I have a, a chapter on like uh, different trims and you can find entire books on like Victorian trims. So I'm not going to sit there and go over that and try and stuff it into a chapter. But what I did try to focus on is what you're not going to know until you've done something four times. And you wish you knew that before, even though you watched the tutorials. Right. It's more of the tricks and tips that that you you have to have done it to, to figure out. And in reading it, sometimes sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, that's obvious. But I never would have done it <coughs> if you if somebody hadn't said it. So that that's really cool. That happened a lot. Oh, I should have known that. I should have done that from the beginning. I would have saved myself an hour and a half. <laughs> and um and yeah i tried to set up each chapter very similarly in that uh i kind of introduced the idea behind or the inspiration for the uh for the outfit and um sometimes it's a historic person or sometimes i actually got you know a, a big old bolt of fabric somehow and and then i started researching how i wanted to use this particular fabric or color um and then i talked a little bit about how I made it or, you know, how I decided on the design. But then, yeah, I do focus on one particular technique or one particular uh, approach that I decided to use in that outfit that, that I kind of break down into that um, useful things that you should know before you go into that. Well, and especially, like I said, sewing, I, my mother is a brilliant seamstress. I was never able to pick it up. But one thing that looking through this and the way that you have broken things down for someone with ADHD. It's a lot easier sometimes if I take things, if I'm not looking at the whole project, if I'm looking at, if I have to break things down into bite-sized chunks or it's too overwhelming. And so you've taken that, you've done that for me. <laughs> you take that and you break that down into steps and you, you give these little bits, you know, we'll learn this technique. You can learn this technique. You can learn this. And eventually you can take it all and you'll be able to, you know, look at the bigger picture. So that was actually very helpful for the neurodivergent class. And I appreciate that. <laughs> no, absolutely. I, I can't tell you how many times people come up to me and they're like, Oh my gosh, I could never make that. I'm like, sure you could. It's just one step at a time. It's just a lot more steps than a starter pattern has. Yeah. It's, um, but it feels overwhelming if you look at, okay, there's 150 steps. Yeah. Don't look at all. The steps. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, you just break it down into pieces. And that's, like I said, that's why I was looking through it. I've been looking through it a little bit, you know, since I've gotten in. I was going again today um, while I was at work. But I joke about being a terrible seamstress. But I, I don't know, looking at some of these, I think if I, once I finish my, my PhD, I think I might actually embark on a new adventure. I need something to fill my time. <laughs> I'm just going to finish the simple task of getting a PhD and then I'm going to tackle something tough. <laughs> hey. That's my thesis project. <laughs> oh, I'm, just, I'm just saying we all handle handle certain things differently and sewing. Like it's, but it's like I said, it's because when you, you're little and you can't necessarily pick something up fast, so you don't want to do it all. And then it just builds up into this, you know, insurmountable. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
and this makes it not so insurmountable. So, you know, yeah, it might be something I can do. <laughs> Shout out to uh, Rita and Lawrence who have tuned in. They're waving. Say hello. 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 <clears throat> uh, it should be noted that uh, the Victorian collection is still available. <clears throat> if you didn't get the Kickstarter, um, Laura has listed it on Etsy. Just yes. to go to Etsy and look for the Victorian collection, and it should it should pull right up. I'm gonna link it in the comments, uh, but it should it, it is easy to find. It is on Etsy. I am uh, I'm working on getting it on Amazon. Boy, do they have a labyrinth of uh, uh, avenues to try to go through to get that listed? And I uh, sent in an application to Barnes and Noble, so we shall see. Yeah, Amazon's a little sticky if you're <laughs> an indie, because I have a friend who's an author, and she had to go through a lot of hoops and barrels to get her, her indie print. It seems like. Up there. Yeah. <laughs> it takes a little time. Working on it. Um, so we shall see. And I actually, uh, I also have it up as an add-on, a possible add-on reward, um, or, you know, add-on, when you check out at my, with my... Um, my current Kickstarter. Ah, uh, the game. Yes, the game. Yes. Yeah, let's, let's 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 get to drinking, and then we can talk about the. <laughs> and then the we can segue. If that's okay. I'm, I'm here. I got my Cersei glass. <laughs> oh, nice. What's in it? Red wine, of course. Mm. Little Kiernan from Wollersheim Winery here in Wisconsin. Ooh. Fancy. Um. So it's a really, actually, it's a really pretty winery, and they've been open for, um, well, decades, and they opened the distillery, I want to say, like, seven years ago. They've been growing and growing, but try and get up there um, once a year, because it's so gorgeous. Wow. Fun. Okay. Blue Stocking, do you have your standard red? Actually, no, I don't. Um it's a red, but when I, okay, so whenever I go out to restaurants, the one thing I usually, like, the fancy restaurants we go to, um, but I get the Prisoner red blend, and it never occurred to me to just buy it for myself, and there's a reason for that, because apparently the bottles are not cheap, <laughs> but because I'm almost done with my prospectus, I decided to treat myself, so it's the Prisoner red blend. It's not something I can buy all the time, but it's... It's really, really good. Um, and I've been listening to some, I've been hearing some ads on a podcast I listened to that the winery actually um, has stakes in prison reform in California. They're working for, yeah, prison reform and prison. Um, yeah. So I, I was going to look into that and see what's going on with that. But the prisoner red blend is really, really good if you're looking for a good mid range. It's not my usual $10 red, but <laughs> it's pretty good. So. And Thax, what weird beer do you have tonight? I, I am not drinking a beer tonight. <clears throat> I wanted to make a hot toddy uh, because it is the season, and we're finally getting some cool weather down here in Austin. Yes, here so, too. Oh, it's so nice. It's, it's wonderful. It's tweed season. <laughs> uh, so failing that, I just made a uh, whiskey sour. Yeah. Um, Four Roses whiskey, um, which is a nice affordable middle of the road it's been it's been pretty good i've hadn't tried it before so four roses is uh is doing me pretty well and yeah so that's what i'm having enjoy four roses not a whiskey person yeah yeah right yes the new kickstarter <laughs> yes okay 
So this might seem like like very different, but I just look at it, you know, like the costume book, and then and then a steampunk themed murder mystery dinner game. Uh, but I look at it as it's just my second publication. I have all sorts of publications planned. I, I mean, I have, I've got like five books listed here ready for me to, you know, just get on to the next one. And, um, and I actually do own the uh, website, or at least the URL. It's not a website yet. Um, so it's very similar, actually. <laughs> it sounded kind of similar, or, or that, uh, that multiplayer online game where you have to pick who's, gonna, who's the murderer, and you're oh, all among, like among um, puppets. And it, I don't know what it is. <laughs> like a, it's like a complicated Among Us. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> And uh, okay, so the premise is um, with most murder mystery dinner games is uh, there's usually um, six or eight characters and uh, you have people come to your abode um, to fill these character spots and, um, and the game is played out through multiple rounds, clues are revealed, and by the end of the game, you you put together the clues and everyone makes their accusations and see if you can figure out who the murderer is. Um, the themes and the clues and the ways that these are set up vary greatly. And, um, and with mine, I even specify, you don't have to have dinner during it. You can just, you know, do it over a couple rounds of drinks or whatever. But, um, but seeing as it can take a couple hours, depending on how deep into like questioning and cross-examining you get, it's, it's nice to have a snack. <clears throat> like a charcuterie board and some murder. You know, a, a giant computer board for eight people. Yes. Um, so I have played, good Lord, I don't even know how many. I, I would have this thing where anytime I would see a murder mystery dinner at the thrift store, I would grab it. I'm like, we are going to do How it. many are you finding at the thrift store? You'd be surprised. I think I've only bought like three of them. Um, but admittedly, this was a while ago. And... Um, but I've been having them since I was 20, which is, you know, at least five years ago. Oh, absolutely. Give or take 200 months or something. I don't know. Um, so, so I have been doing a lot of murder mystery games. I mean, part of it is I enjoy having uh, company over for dinner and socializing and stuff. And it gives it kind of a fun, a fun theme through the uh, structure through the evening. And, um, and you actually, I always, I always play, even though I'm hosting, I always do one of the characters. Cause I'm like, maybe I'll be the guilty one. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Um, I have a couple times and I've even played the same <clears throat> one. Sometimes I'll just wait like four years. So I forget who it was. It'll <laughs> <laughs> be fine. I'll forget. But, um, so the, this is not the first murder mystery that I wrote. The first one that I wrote was, God, I'd say it was like after two or three that I had played. And I'm like, I should make one. I'm going to make a, uh, what did I call it? I called it Dinner at Dracula's. <laughs> and I had all sorts of, I mean, all to the end, stupid puns with the names like uh, Mina Ornice was her, her name. And <laughs> really terrible. And, um, and, I, I wrote it just because I was gonna I was gonna do a, a murder mystery game with friends, and I wrote it and I almost finished it, 
and I, I came upon it, like, I want to say, like, five years ago. So, you know, like, 15 years had passed. I don't know. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I remember this. And I'm looking through it. I'm like, I didn't finish. Oh, I don't remember how I was going to finish it. <laughs> I don't remember who the guilty party is. I'm like, it's And it's almost uh, a challenge to, like, go back and go, okay, we're going to figure out who was the guilty one because I don't remember. I really don't. But <laughs> so then I was thinking about it. I'm like, I should do another one. What would be fun? Oh, steampunk one would be fun. And so then, pardon, the gears started turning. And really? really? I'm used to it because this <laughs> this game is ridiculous. I have so many puns. I mean, it's called called Cogs of Plenty. I know. I've been looking at it as the emails come <laughs> through. Um. So so a couple things that I've done differently. Um, is uh, the last murder mystery that I played was a Star Trek themed one, um, Next Generation, and it had a cassette tape, but I played it last year. This is one of the ones that I found. Um, actually, this wasn't a thrifting one. This was eBay. This is eBay. Um, <laughs> I had to go to the thrift store and find a cassette player and then make sure that it worked so that I could play the tape. So the point is... <clears throat> doing audio files for mine. Wow. So okay. Actually just download the audio file and then play it through whatever Bluetooth enabled uh, device that you have. And that way you don't have to like try and find a computer that still has uh, a CD drive or, <laughs> or a cassette tape. I know about six songs featured in the soundtrack of Drive. So this is, this is my uh, computer. Stop. <laughs> So I named my dot computer. <laughs> so I just, when, it, when it heard me, it's like, oh, what do you need? Here's your sports update. <laughs> <laughs> Computer's sassy. <laughs> Every once in a while, my husband and I all actually have to spell out C-O-M-P-U-T-E-R. <laughs> so that I won't pick up. So if yeah. we just start, never mind, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't actually hear it in songs that we checked. <laughs> it was a strange hip hop song that we had to use to check. <laughs> it's really strange. But um yes. Okay. So, so back to the audio files. Yes. Is the first change. The other change is usually the uh the murder mystery dinners were set up for uh like four couples, uh four men, four women. And, um, and well, uh, we have progressed and I have just made all of the characters and their backgrounds and their character, uh, well, characteristics. Um, they're just not gender-based. So anyone can play any of the characters. In yeah. fact, one of the characters is an automaton. <laughs> yep. Possibly guilty. We don't know. Well, I know. It's always the robot's. <laughs> so in this in this game, there is a predetermined character who is the 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 uh, the guilty party. Guilty party. Like, it's not like it's a different character every time you play. That's a very interesting statement there because <laughs> um, so my third stretch goal on the Kickstarter is actually to have an app designed um, so that the entire thing can be played from a mobile device. Uh, so basically it would just be like uh, the host receives all of these files and, uh, and 
and they can send out keys for these folders to their to their players, and the players can get their booklets and everything uh, individually. But with that uh, with that option, I would also create four different endings. So you could play version one, two, three, or four, and they would each be different from this original version because as the clues are revealed, different things make different people more likely to have committed the crime than others. And so what I would do with this, with this app is that um, right around the middle of round two, I would start altering the, uh, the events and who did what and what is more and less incriminating. And so it would add uh, play replayability. So you wouldn't have to wait five years in between <laughs> plays to forget who the guilty party was. You can just be like, well, um, you know, the family's getting together and I thought this would be a cute activity. So we're gonna play version two now. No, I like that. Cool. So almost like a, not choose your own adventure, but kind of your actions do direct it to a certain extent. Does the player's actions, do they? Well, I would actually be rewriting. Okay. And I would, uh, and I would re rewrite what happens or uh, which characters did what so that, so that it would actually change. So even if you had played the original version, you're not going to know who did it because right around the middle of the game, details will start changing. Okay. And those facts, those incriminating facts will be now pointing to a different person. But the conclusion is predetermined at the beginning. Yes. It's not like the players can finagle things and a different guilty party is guilty at the end. Correct. <laughs> you, you can be wrong about who you think is guilty. And, um, and I have, I have some uh, voice actor uh, talent coming in to do the narration at the beginning and to, uh, to do the voice of the, um, the, Awful old man who got offed, arrested, <laughs> Wilcott Winslet the third. Um, how do we hear his voice? You wonder. That's an interesting story. <laughs> Harnessing the power of the ether. Yes, I've uh, I've taken some liberties with the term ether, Ethernet, and um, and even automaton, really. Every steampunk author has taken liberties with the term ether. All of the books that I'm going to be using for my dissertation are about libraries, and ether pops up in most of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's an amorphous. It's a yeah umbrella term. Yeah, yeah. alchemy. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I thought ether was the smell of an old book. That's scent. That's ether. Actually, one of the librarians I work with was like, that's the smell of books dying. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my oh. god. Oh, that's so sad. But she's got the sweetest voice, so when she said it, we were like, oh, that's, that's horrible. <laughs> oh, e ether is <laughs> pops up everywhere. Ether is is there act I'm sure there's a definition for it, but I've seen, like I said, I've seen I've seen it used in so many different steampunk books at this point that So that's what I figure. I'm like, yeah. it's good. It's fine. It's malleable. I'm doing some world building. <laughs> I made up a I made up a new material, a new uh ore, Vintherium. Mm -hmm. Wait, what is it? Vintherium. Vintherium. Okay. And what is Vintherium? It's an ore that you can mine. <laughs> And this really <laughs> uh, and, uh, and the uh, the the automatons 
automaton's base uh, structure is made out of it, and the uh, the city that the story is based in, Gearboro. <laughs> You're killing me. <laughs> <laughs> Already. <laughs> oh. Can't even with you. <laughs> uh, so Gearboro started as a, a modest mining town, has become uh, extremely uh, prosperous. It's kind of outpaced its own growth, so kind of like ahead of itself. Okay, so the the world that we've got going on, the world building that you're doing with the Ventherium and the Ether, um, mm-hmm. this is not an alternate Earth or anything. This is just, this is a completely new... Very, very vaguely Victorian-y city. Okay. Yeah. Just kind of that smog and gas lamp thing going on. and Exactly. Okay. <laughs> Strangely luxurious buildings, given the time frame. And, you know. <laughs> it's okay. It's steampunk. You can make it all work. <laughs> it was a gilded age. <laughs> the uh, automaton has a not so charming ism. He he actually is all the time. He does what? He um actually. Oh, he will actually. Oh, <laughs> oh no! He robo explains everything. <laughs> like, well, in fact, did you know that in 1824? Well, almost everyone is thoroughly irritated by it. It sounds so fun. He's the killer, so that we can get him out of here. (laughs) I hope it's not a dirty word to say. This sounds like a parlor LARP. Oh, this kind of. And I've I've been in games or uh, watched games where uh, the players will take on the characters so well that. It doesn't really matter who did it at the end. You just want to keep playing because these characters have become so fun. I hope that's how it turns out. I hope that's how it turns out. Um, Th- that all depends on your players. This is true. This is true. And um, and I found that uh, different people are comfortable with different types of, let's just say, like role play in general, um, which, you know, this, this requires to... Uh, a degree. And I found um, in playing a lot of uh, murder mystery games that there's usually two types. Uh, one is completely scripted, where you open it up and, you know, you can be taking notes, you can be keeping track of the clues and everything, but you're just, you're, you know, you've got your character and, and you read your parts. And so that's how the clues are revealed and that's how the time frame is revealed and everything. And, um, or timeline. And the other type is kind of freeform, where you get a list of the facts that you know and the facts that you need to reveal per round, and maybe you get some secret clues that you open up, but um, but it's very much just you need to at some point reveal all of these during conversation. And both of those have their advantages and drawbacks. Um, people can feel very constrained by the idea of, oh, so we're just going to read a 25-page script. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but at the same time, I've seen the complete freeform just turn into you got eight people with three clues that they need to get out every round. That's 24 clues. And so people just kind of like spew their clue. And before someone can respond or cross-examine, another person is, yeah, well, I, I saw you talking <laughs> to Fred in the hallway at 1.20 a.m. So what do you have to say about that? And the other one is just like mowed right over. And people just do that. <laughs> it just turns into a constant barrage of, well, I saw this and I saw this. And no one actually gets to deeper revelations 
or uh, confessions or anything because it's just one person trying to get their clues out after another. It's just chaos. Yeah. <laughs> so I decided on a mix where at the beginning of every round, there's one page of a little back and forth with characters. So you get a feel for their personalities and for the, the interaction. And then there's a couple of clues that need to be revealed. And that way you get a little bit of both. So not all of the pressure is on you to create a dialogue and you get some of those puns in there. <laughs> um, but at the same time, some of it is more freeform where you can do a little bit more um, uh, independent play acting. Sounds very complicated and involved. It's, it's no. intrigued. I'm intrigued. <laughs> back and forth. I, I, I do feel... Uh, when, when I step into a, a LARP situation, uh, some anxiety in in trying to find the character I'm supposed to be and being more gregarious than I am. Uh, so I think a script like that is 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 helpful, uh, a crutch, if you will. But uh, to to sort of get the ball rolling, I think that's really good. But also, you know, pushes you to play and not just oh, yeah, no read read. I need uh, read the script yeah yeah no yeah. I, I would need that absolutely <laughs> i'm not a gregarious person so having that would would help me along yeah so that's the uh that's where we're going i've got um see uh comic artist uh and author did the cover art which you've probably seen the splash around this um it's going to be on the box of the hard copy of the game. And um, see, the author who did that was Nathan Lewis, and he's got a Kickstarter up right now as well for an anthology of, um, I think, comic uh, stories in the theme of modern magic, which is kind of fun for October. But so we got that. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Teslacon. I know what it is. I've never. Yeah. It's outside the state of Texas, so I'm probably not going to make it to that. Yeah. Well, there's it. Yeah. It's, it sounds kind of like it's like uh, our North answer to uh, what you guys have going on. It's actually on the same weekend as Steampunk um, November. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Um, so on the same weekend, it's uh, the longest running, I believe, largest immersive steampunk convention in the U.S., and it's in Wisconsin. So yeah, that would be quite a trip. And, um, and I'm, I'm showing, I'm going to be uh, showing in the fashion show uh, in the realm of taking too much on this fall. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm also going to have a table there with my book and the game. And um, <coughs> so lots going on. But the point was, one of the actors that has been um, uh, involved in TeslaCon like from year one is one of their main uh, immersive characters, uh, Dr. Emmanuel Procticus. He's a bad guy. <laughs> Never mind what that sounds like. Never mind. I know. I saw that when I was looking at the Kickstarter page. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I know. Um, he, does, he does really well. But he's going to uh, do some of the voice acting. And then I have separate voice acting for the narration. And it's going to be uh, the <laughs> Excuse me. Are you guys having emojis up there like we are down here? I, I see all of us kind of coughing and hacking. The allergies, yeah. <laughs> it's a dry air now. 
It's it's just really kicked in. Yeah, the cold, dry air. Mm. Yeah, just sets in your lungs. We got snow yesterday morning. I'm going to say that, although that's tongue-in-cheek, because it was just, we had snowflakes. It didn't even stick. Yeah, snow. That's not snow. I don't like snow. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. I lived in Pennsylvania for eight years. I know from snow. Mm-mm. <laughs> I'm not ready for it yet. Yeah. It is a little early, even for it is that part of the country. I mean, the first year that I lived up there, we got snow on Halloween. But again, it was just like the dusting. It didn't really stick to anything. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I'm no. not ready yet. <clears throat> I prefer our cold, rainy winters. It's much easier to deal with. <laughs> rain? Yeah, yeah. I can deal with rain. So, for the game, um, mm-hmm. I'm just taking a look at the... Because I didn't get a chance to look at it earlier. How long is the Kickstarter? Uh, the Kickstarter is going until... Um, see, it is the week of uh, Thanksgiving. I did it a little bit longer this time because I wanted it to go through TeslaCon. I believe it's uh, ending on the 22nd. <clears throat> now I have a tickle. Uh, and um, so it will be going for like another uh, full month. Okay. And we're at, I think, coming up to about 20% funded right now. And uh, yeah, I uh, just, uh, I have a, I have obviously the boxed version available for uh, one of the reward levels, but I'm also doing a PDF, like print at home version. Um, but also with the box version, I am uh, including uh, PDF versions of the player booklets because if you have like if you have six people that you want to play and then another uh, another pair of people who can't be there live for some reason, you can just send them the PDF of the player booklets and they can zoom in and you can have a full group. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I like that. Okay. So lots of options for it too. And as of this afternoon, I saw that you were 18% funded already, which is exciting because the stretch goals are where it's at. And I noticed your first stretch goal is to include basically uh, a recipe book as part (laughs) of the game. So a lot of times with murder mystery dinner games, they will have uh, menu suggestions. And so I'm going to include that in the base copy but um, if we get to the first stretch goal, I'm going to actually include um, like complete menu options with recipes. Wow. Still pun studded, of course. But, um, <laughs> and the only reason I'm not doing it on the copy is just because it's, it's more printing. Uh, and the printing is really where so much of the cost comes in. Like I have the, the costs for the campaign broken down at the very bottom of the, of the page, the uh, campaign page. And it's like 60, 70%. It's, it's printing costs. And that's, that's me doing it myself at FedEx. <laughs> oh. For the most part. Um, the box, obviously, is going to be printed out. And a couple of the things, the, uh, the map of the factory. Um, it's, it's the, it's the uh, new wing of the factory that is going to be debuting this brand new uh, automaton, which is the first of its kind, prototype. And it's very exciting. Um, unfortunately, Erastus uh, was cruelly knocked over the railing and crushed to death in the maws of giant gears. Oops. <laughs> Irony. Um, actually, they were steel. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. 
I know. <laughs> You're gone. You're never coming back. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, I was going to pledge until you, you made that joke. And... <laughs> it's going to be awful and wonderful. It's It sounds absolutely delightful, honestly. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. It's like, if you need some whimsy. <laughs> we all need some whimsy right now. I mean... <laughs> so, yeah. We're a wreck. We've just discovered a very rare bit of audio from former Prime Minister Winston Churchill. Let's have a listen. I, Winston Churchill, wholeheartedly believe that the Clockwork Cabaret is the finest example of steampunk radio programming. Never before have I heard anything quite so marvelous, and I doubt I shall ever hear anything like it again. Calpurnia, continue on your journey broadcasting your marvelous music and sail on to glory if you would like to find out more about this program please check out clockworkcabaret.com or clockworkcabaret.podbean.com or follow us on twitter at clockworkcabaret that's c-l-o-c-k-w-r-k cabaret well i was hoping that we could spend some time tonight talking about uh costumes for halloween coming up and for these conventions, because we have all this Halloween stuff that's still at the stores, most places, and uh, is not available the rest of the year. I wondered, you know, if you guys had any, any ideas or uh, things to share about how you can take those things and throw them into a, a steampunk costume or, uh, I don't know, anything you were thinking of, mm. because... We've had this whole month and we haven't talked about about costuming and it's my favorite. <laughs> <clears throat> I know Rita has been hoping to to uh, hear us talk about it too. Um, have you been working on anything blue stocking? Um, I've been busy, so it's okay to say no, I guess. No, I'm actually I'm I'm recycling old <clears throat> costumes, but I'm going to dress up twice because for some reason campus. They're doing the costume contest on Friday the 28th. I'm not really sure why, so I'm going to wear my lazy Ghostbuster costume. I have the whole jumpsuit, but I got that in 2017. I'm a little bigger now, so I usually now I just wear the, the jumpsuit up to my I leave it draped at my waist, and I'm going to wear just a thermal shirt with my I'm here for the booze t-shirt. <laughs> so I'm going to do that on Friday, but on Monday... The library is going to be dressing up. We're going to have our own party. I'm doing my witch costume. So my red and white striped stockings and my black dress. And I've got a velvet hat. And then I've got the pair. Of, I got some fluvog, black fluvog witchy boots. They are amazing. They're so beautiful. So that, yeah, I mean, they're recycled costumes, but they're my favorite ones. Ghostbuster and witch. So, yeah. I think recycled, recycled. I I think the the costumes you've already established and you're comfortable in are the best ones because now you get to add more stuff and develop the costume more when you have the time and you don't have to take on the whole thing. Well, and actually my proton pack, it's the it's a, I got it from Amazon. It's it's a kid's size, but it's all steampunk. It's plastic, but it's all steampunk looking. It's like a steampunk proton pack. Awesome. Yeah, I'll have to find the pictures from the last time I wore it and post it. But yeah, so I mean, yeah, it, it's... It's a Ghostbuster costume. I mean, there's a million different things that you can add to it. 
and you know which costume there's tons of stuff to do so then actually the dress is from a steampunk company on uh, amazon so cool that's what i'm doing easy peasy i have three outfits planned um well not not making i mean three costumes that i'll be wearing at some point i'm not making more (laughs) just like on fashion show is enough (laughs) um uh so i i did pick up a a used uh like a white wool coat off-white and uh like a turtleneck thing i'm gonna be uh joanna constantine from the the new uh yeah yeah from sandman yes um so that's going to be a, a thing next weekend uh, up here in Wisconsin, in Milwaukee. Um, there's a pop-up. There's a Ghibli studio pop-up at a local bar. And it's going to be super, super fun. So oh, I'm going to do that and uh, going to be accompanying Sandman. And uh, that should be fun. But that's easy. That's like white wool coat. I made a belt for it because it needed a belt. Yeah. Just pop the collar. You go. Pop the collar, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, steampunk outfit that I made years past. Um, I'll be wearing in New Orleans on Halloween. Uh, I call it my evil outfit of evil. It was um, <laughs> it's, it's a giant Maleficent horns, horns, not these little baby ones, the decent ones. Um, these are just my day horns. And uh, a red coat that I, I modified from a truly Victorian pattern and gave it a great big tail. It's all black, red satin lining and black leather edging and all this stuff. And it's going to be super fun. And it's also just about the right speed for walking around in uh, New Orleans at the end of October, I'm thinking. Yeah. But then probably, probably one other one is I, I made a, well, qualify that. I have a Lady Dimitriescu um, costume from um uh da, da, da. oh my god i'm losing cred right now the zombie <laughs> game. um i've actually i've actually never played the game but i'm a big fan of uh taking the uh the characters that you find and like going you know the, this character has a really fun costume and i really enjoy this um i am completely okay so it's a computer like steam game computer game and it's you know i'll uh, zombies. And I've never been <laughs> I'm not saying I've never played zombie games, because I have but um, that particular one and I'm, now that I'm trying to think of it I will not be able to. If anyone in the comments can think of the damn zombie game name, great. Um, <laughs> but I don't know the name of that game either, but I, I know, know that either. character. Yes, yeah, so I, she's uh, Mommy Vampire, right? And um, she's in the white dress and the black gloves the big hats. and the ridiculous hat, right? So what I want to say here is that I've never been a fan of reinventing the wheel for the wheel's sake. If you don't need to make an outfit from scratch, why? Why do it? If it's something unique that will never be, you know, it does not exist before now, or, or, you know, you really can't take something and modify it and make it your own. Okay. Then make it yourself. But there's no reason to start from scratch just for the sake of, well, well, I have to make it myself. Well, do you have to? So I did a lot of research um, on a couple different online platforms, <clears throat> looking at the reviews, and uh, I found uh, an, a dress that looked like it was, somebody had commented about how it's really stretchy. I'm like, good. <laughs> somebody else said the, the fabric is kind of sheer, 
but really good quality. I'm like, odd combination, but I'll keep that in mind. So, so basically, I put together all these reviews and said, okay, I'm gonna try and I'm gonna get this one. I don't think the hat that comes with it is gonna be good, and we'll see what the other accessories are like. Mixed reviews, but looks like the dress is gonna be pretty good. So basically, I got the dress. I hemmed it up a little bit. Um, I added a couple more buttons to the back. I got a different hat because I was right. The hat was terrible. <laughs> but other than that, um, it turned out to be a really good outfit. I wore it at um, Metacon in Minneapolis, which was the first con at which I was selling my book. I was very excited. Um, kind of just lucky landed into that table. And I'm like, all right, I'll you know, try out my spiel, see how people respond. And that was uh, the first time I was wearing that outfit. So that was, was pretty good. So I'm probably going to take it to New Orleans. But it was nice not making something from scratch. It was very nice. Yeah. Building is a lot easier can do it. What about you, Thex? What are you doing for Halloween? Well, I've, I've got ideas. I don't know if they're going to come to fruition. But uh, I'm an absurdist by nature, if you didn't know already. <laughs> So there's this costume, this already made costume at Target, where you dress up as a taco. <laughs> and it's got this big shell and then like this sort of placard in the front with salad. <laughs> okay, that, that's not it. Okay, this is the start. You want to buy a few of those, take them apart and make a, a waistcoat out of the, the middle salad part and make a cutaway coat of the tortilla. And then I've got this sort of, uh, um, this, this taco hat that I got from previous years. And I'll be like the Victorian Lord Taco. <laughs> Victorian taco truck man. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot wait to see this. You I, have to do this. So that that was one idea. <laughs> and I dare you to wear the steampunk November. Cravat. <laughs> <laughs> I, I double dog dare you. The cravat. I need a big cheesy cravat. It's like a cheese cravat. <laughs> Maybe some sour cream. I don't know. <laughs> some lettuce lace around the sleeve. <laughs> Like <laughs> oh no! <laughs> yeah. Please do that. Yeah. So it sounds like that—that's a a big win. I could, yes. I could do that. Little black olive typen. <laughs> I am normally not a fan. Okay, I tend to be a Halloween purist. I go for I bigger fan of the spooky costumes or something horror or but that. <laughs> I will change my rule for that. <laughs> because honestly, I think it might be a little scary and I want to see. <laughs> Especially because I know your attention to detail. So I think that might be absolutely delightful. <laughs> yeah. The downside I see is it's, it's all polyester plasticky. And, and down here, oh, that's will stick to even you. Even though it's middle of November, it's going to probably be warm. Yeah, yeah. Or freezing. It goes one way or the other. I don't know. And you're not going to know until that morning. And even then. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
awesome. But, uh, you know, I've been wandering through the dollar stores and looking at all the plastic animal skeletons and thinking, what what can you do with those? There, there's a ton of them. They're like the only thing that hasn't sold already. But they're a lot of fun. And I, there's got to be something you can do, right? They make a great, like, piece on a hat or as a fascinator. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to leave them as skeletons, right? You can... So I've got this this rat here that I've corpsed. <laughs> this was for a previous year's uh, uh, Halloween. I love it. <laughs> but you, you can take some paper mache and put his guts back on and make him like a, a super realistic rat. You or, can. You just put him right up on your... Or, or uh, what do they have? Um, our... Uh, 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 a little raven, uh, or um, like a steampunk skeleton octopus. There's no reason to have a skeleton octopus, right? <laughs> but Wait, seriously, you... a skeleton they octopus? They, they have skeleton butterflies. I don't. Okay. Mm-hmm. By all means, it makes no sense. But with a little paper mache, you can turn it into an actual the animal again. Um, Reconstruct. <laughs> They're skeleton puppies with their skeleton floppy ears. Doesn't make any sense. Doesn't matter. I've got a skeleton flamingo in my front yard right now, so I can't really judge. I have the skeletal owl. He's the, everything about him is the same as the uh, the skeleton. Uh, um, um, what do you call Jacro? Uh, carrion eater. Uh, the vulture. Vulture. Yeah. It's like they took the vulture head off and they put an owl head on, but it's the same model. <laughs> but if you like paper mache and put some some feathery looking things back on, you've got a you've got an actual owl that you could attach to a costume. Unless you just want the skeleton, that you could do that too. Jack needs but, to attach that. To <laughs> there's a lot you could do with these things. I don't know how I would make them into my costume, but they are available and. Yeah, this is the only time of year you can get them. So I feel like I should see more of this. Actually, I, I don't know right. why people are jumping on this. Surprisingly steam, steampunkable because, you know, having a plastic base is going to make it very easy to add things out of it. Actually, you just reminded me the thing I was going to talk about tonight, and we'll talk about it next time. The book <laughs> that I've been reading, um, there are bird skeletons, clockwork bird skeletons birds that deliver messages there are clockwork bone birds in this book and i my brain just locked up but i can't remember the name of the book now but it's like 700 pages it's like the nevers kind of that people pop up in the victorian era with weird powers but yeah the, the clockwork bone birds that deliver messages all over england resident evil <laughs> i don't know why i remember that while you were forgetting your thing <laughs> oh, i'll remember that- in about half an hour <laughs> <laughs> yes, Resident Evil. I forgot how many iterations that game has gone through. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> you know, there's there's currently a conspiracy theory that birds don't exist. Yes, pigeons. Yeah, birds aren't real, and the Earth is. Have perfect. you ever seen a baby pigeon? <laughs> you haven't, have you? Because there are no such things as baby pigeons. Pigeons are robots built by the government to spy on us. Oh my god. There are robot carrier pigeons in my murder mystery game. I'm not lying. <laughs> it's true. You know, I can believe anything because the CIA tried to create a, a, spy, a spy cat 
in the 60s, Project Acoustic Cat. So I can <laughs> believe. No, seriously, look it up. They actually tried it. And I believe that the one time they got successfully implanted in the cat, the cat ran in it immediately ran into traffic. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, that's that was the end of the project. <laughs> so huh? Is this what your thesis is on? <laughs> no, but now I wish it was. <laughs> no, my dissertation is about libraries and open access, but it's going to be a podcast. So nice. Yeah. If I can ever get voice actors. Um, yeah. Yes, with featuring facts in one of the most important quotes and no it actually is part of the basis of my whole dissertation Thax is going to be is reading that quote for me (laughs) yeah and he did an excellent job (laughs) my final project was on uh self-efficacy and uh yeah uh, about whether or not um independent of um subject um self-efficacy strategies could be used to improve um basically uh test scores and uh and, and performance, regardless of discipline. Your master's is in education, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, so that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Now I was, I was reading, I was looking through your book earlier. I know who you are. <laughs> yes, but did you know all my punnage? I know, but apparently I'm going to find out if I get this game. So. Mom joke Mondays. <laughs> Mom and jokes and mom jeans. Turn their cameras on so I can see their face when I told the joke. <laughs> there, there are quite a few little plays on words in this book already. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I kept rereading. Is like, did she just say that? Nice, totally. Oh, yep. Oh my god. What is language there for if not to have fun with it? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Stuff doesn't have to be dry and dusty and boring. Uh -uh. It can be smart and still be absolutely absurd. Absolutely. (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. That's right. All right. Well, it is 8.58. Yeah. We got to cut it. Yeah. Some of us are old and need our sleep. (laughs) Quick. It did. So, Laura, thank you for coming out and joining us again on the show. Thank it's you. been a hoot having you. Um, and good luck on the Kickstarter. Uh, we'll be promoting it. I, I've already got it linked uh, in the in the comments down there. But uh, uh, we'll be watching and make sure that that thing uh, reaches its goals and its stretch goals. I'll get it course. out on the Twitter tomorrow. On yeah. The Twitter. And on mine. Well, thank you very much. Of course. I really appreciate being on again. It was fun. <laughs> I had fun. <laughs> right. And, uh, good luck with your masters. Or, uh... Tonight's show has been brought to you in part by FairTreasures.com. Fair Treasures has a selection of Texas-made female presenting costumes and accessories for Renaissance Fair and Steampunk Wear. Also one-of-a-kind jewelry and alchemy jewelry imported from England. You can shop Fair Treasures at www.fairwithaneetreasures.com or on Etsy. We'd also like to thank uh, Jenny and Ryan Shaver and Rita and Lawrence Allen as patrons on our Patreon page. If you'd like to become a patron of our show and help us out, uh, we'd really appreciate it. We'll say your name at the end of the show, too. Uh, You can find us on Facebook. 
at Texas Steampunk Connection. Uh, you can email us at Texas Steampunk Connection at gmail.com. Uh, our podcast is Texas Steampunk Connection.podbean.com. And this show will be streamed there by Friday, I think. Uh, we're on Twitter at TX Steam Connect One. And we're on YouTube and Rumble through the Steam Chest subscription box. Uh, Jack spent some time last week putting up like a year's worth of our shows on the YouTube, so now they can be found. And most importantly, our music by zapclap.com. They give us permission to use this music for free, as long as we mention them at the end of the show. Facebook, please do not block our music. Oysterzapclap.com. Okay. That's been a problem. (laughs) It's been a bit of a problem, yes. Uh, Does anybody else have anything to add before we sign off tonight? Nope. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. And everybody, until next time, mind your gauges.